earlier, uh, the last few weeks, I, I had some problems working a website, speaking to online viewers. And, uh, and one of the buttons on the website didn't work. Anybody ever experienced that? You're trying to click a button and it doesn't work. You got to click the button. I clicked the thing probably about 50 times and I couldn't get any response. I didn't want to go to their online chat, you know, because I didn't want to chat with a robot. I wanted to talk to somebody and just get the problem resolved. And so what I did was I called the, the customer service hotline. You're already laughing. Me too. Because I didn't want to... I didn't want to chat online with a robot, so I called to chat with a robot verbally. <laughs> the very first thing is a really big promise. We're here to help you. Anything that you have a problem with, we're going to fix. Somehow I doubted that, but I went ahead, went with it. And they said, uh, just answer a few questions and we'll get you underway. Do you want to... Do you want this conversation to be English or Spanish? And in the back of my mind, I was like, well, it'd be really cool if we could do it in Spanish, but I can't speak Spanish, so English it is. You know, and then, and then the next question is, uh, you know, what, what seems to be the, or is this a good callback number? I was like, well, I really need that problem solved right now. So the next thing is like, okay, well, uh, uh, have you tried these things? And it asked me several questions about trying those things. And... We know the secret, don't we? If you just very abruptly interrupt the robot and say, customer service rep, <laughs> right? I want to speak to someone. And then it says, okay, you, I, I think I heard that you want to speak to somebody. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> just answer a few questions so that we can get you to the right department. Oh, man. All right, so it starts asking me questions, and I'm not in the mood to answer any more questions. But I do say, the button doesn't work. We don't understand. Have you tried? No, speak to someone now, okay? Finally, after a few times saying that, it gets the clue, and the phone starts ringing. Somebody on the other end picks up, okay? Now, I'm like, okay, I've got somebody talking to me. Okay, we can fix this. They had no idea what they're doing. Anybody, anybody feel like that sometimes? They didn't have a clue of what they were doing. And so, so I learned this little trick. Maybe you don't know this. I'm going to teach you today so that you know this. You can apply it to your own life. I want to speak to tier two representative right now. Anybody know that? Tier two. Tier one, they can't do nothing for you. Tier two, okay, these are people that are in charge of things. They can make decisions. They can, they can uh, fix your account, all that stuff. Got to tier two, it was like butter. Like, no problem. I didn't even have to click the button anymore. They fixed it without me, without me doing anything. It was awesome. But I, I, I think I've had spiritual moments like that, if I'm going to be honest with you, in my life. Moments where I tried to fix things myself, and I couldn't fix things myself. And, and so I reached out to that tier one support, you know, Hey, Hey dad, <laughs> um, how, how do you change brakes again? <laughs> you know, something like that. Hey, um, you know, you call your friend up and Hey, Hey, uh, can you, can, can you tell me your best advice? You know, as if you have to ask your friend, cause they're going to give it to you no matter what. But somehow that doesn't pan out. And so out of necessity, we reach out to the Lord. And we say, Lord, you're, you're my tier two support. And as, 
as much as that's good and that's right, sometimes we get in the habit of treating God as tier two customer service support instead of seeking out a relationship with him and grabbing a hold of him. Sometimes we're guilty of playing that game with God where he's just, he's the last resort and the guy that can do whatever we need. Man, there's other times in my life, I remember it being as a youth pastor. And uh, man, being a youth pastor is one of the highlights of, of my life. And, and, um, and being, um, being at an all-nighter was one of the lowlights of my life. Um, because, because it was an all-nighter and it was tough and it was hard. And I'm so glad that Pastor Sam is here as our youth pastor. We love you, Pastor Sam. You're doing a great job. Yeah. And, and I, I remember playing, there, there was this one game though that we had to play because everybody wanted to play. It's called sardines. Anybody know what sardines is? No, there's a few people that know what sardines is. Some of you played sardines with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> When you're at a lock-in and you got the whole church, you turn off all the lights except for the lights from your cell phone screen, not your flashlights, but your cell phone screen. And I secretly select one person to hide somewhere within our church. And then everybody else goes to look for them with the light of their cell phone screen. And whenever you find that person, you don't say, there he is, or there she is. You, you hide with them. And eventually, everybody packs into a little space like sardines. It's crazy, but it's so much fun because at the end of the game, you have this one student that's walking around with a little flashlight going, hey, hey guys, is, is anybody here? It is hilarious. But then everybody, I, I call the game and everybody cheers and yells and it's just somewhere in the church, you just hear this eruption of sound because everybody knows that they were the ones that found the person hiding. And sometimes we have this view of God instead of being a customer service rep that we reach out for tier two support, we have this view of God that he's playing some kind of game with us, that he's hiding and he's trying to stay hidden and, and you win the prize if you find him. How many of you know that God is not playing games with us? How many of you know that sometimes we play games with God, but God's not playing any games with us? God wants to be found. And that's exactly why that's one of the, that's the first line of our purpose statement here at Christ's Legacy is that we find God, we give hope, and we do life together. And that's so powerful whenever you stop and think about what finding God is all about. And today, that's what I want us to do this morning is to understand and know that we can find him. He's not playing games. He wants us to find him. and He's made himself available to be found. See, sometimes I think that we play games. Sometimes I think that we treat God as customer service rep. But when we do these things in ourselves, things just don't work right. I, I want to tell you this morning, I don't care who you are or what you've done. I don't care what kind of a success that you think you've found. Life doesn't work right outside of God. Life doesn't work right outside of God. We walk around and we look around and we are constantly looking for an answer to our life's problems. 
We're looking in work. We're looking in relationships and family with friends, constantly searching for an answer. Meanwhile, the answer is staring us right in our face. Can I tell somebody this morning that we need Jesus? That bears repeating. We need Jesus. Life is not meant to live, be lived apart from, from knowing him and making him our Lord. We have a built-in thirst to know who he is and who he wants to reveal himself to us in our hearts and in our lives. This morning, I would like to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 4. If you're following us in the Bible app, all you simply have to do is go to our events in your menu options. If you have your location services set up, you can find Christ's legacy and you can follow along with our notes. And we have a special thing that we're introducing now is discussion questions at the conclusion, at the towards the end of our, our notes, where you can make this considerations throughout the week after service or in a, a small group that you're, you're discussing these things with that go right along with today's message. But before we jump into this passage of scriptures, I want, uh, of scripture, I want to give you a little bit of background to help us to understand what's going on. Jesus is traveling through, uh, through Samaria at this moment. And and this is kind of an issue because you don't really usually see a rabbi walking through a Samaritan region, okay? Especially with his disciples. And if they are, they're traveling as fast as they can through it because there's some bad blood between the Samaritans and the Jews. And it goes uh, a few hundred years before this moment with, with Christ. Because when they were taken captive, uh, when they were invaded by the Assyrians, the Assyrian king, he, he didn't want to just take Israel captive. He wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. But he, he couldn't figure out how to kill everybody. And so here's what he did. He decided that he was going to integrate their culture into his. He was going to change what made them Jewish, Israel, Israelite, he was going to make them Assyrian. And so what he did was he took all the men from surrounding towns and villages and he took them and he brought them uh, to, to, to his nation. And then he brought in men from his nation and he brought them into the towns and villages and had them intermarry. And it completely demolished the culture. It caused the, their children to be more Assyrian and less Jewish. And so the culture is all mixed up. The beliefs are all mixed up. They had a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Assyrian in them. And, and so the Jews that was stayed pure, the Jews that were only Jewish, they had a real problem all of a sudden. They had a real problem. They didn't like to talk to one another. They didn't worship in the same way. They didn't have the same beliefs. Now, later on, those Samaritans, they, they reintegrated into the Jewish belief system with the first, first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the ones that Moses wrote. And so they believed in that, but they carried some other different beliefs in. It kind of feels a little bit like what's going on in our culture, in our society today. Where once we founded our country on the things of God, once that we, 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 we understood what it was to, to love God, to know him, to serve him, 
and to try to do things that were right. We all agreed on what truth was. But slowly, the enemy has integrated his belief and his way of thinking and his lies. And so now we are all mixed up as a culture. We can't even agree on simple things like what is, what is truth? And the enemy plays for keeps, everyone. But God is so good because we see in this moment Jesus coming through Samaria because he, not because he wanted to take a shortcut, but because he had a divine appointment, a divine conversation that he wanted to have with someone. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I can't help but think to myself sometimes, what, what, what's going on inside of us, inside of our church, if we look at other people and we have a problem with the way that they worship, with their background, because they don't worship or they don't serve or they don't do exactly what we do. Can I tell you that everybody has a God-shaped hole? Everybody has a thirst inside of them to know the one true living God. And we won't be a church that is going to fight over worship styles or fight over the way that people look or the way that people sound. We're going to be a church that loves Jesus and invites them to come in and worship alongside of us to draw people from the community into this church so that they can know the one true God. Let God change them. Let's, let's, let's invite them, but we'll let God change somebody. How many know God needs to change us too sometimes? Amen. She, the woman, came from a little Samaritan village of Sychar. She was on her way up to the well. Meanwhile, Jesus was just completing a 40-mile journey. He was tired. He was thirsty. He found himself at the well that Jacob had dug. The woman, at about noon, the sixth hour, came to the well. Now, this is kind of interesting because nobody draws water at the hottest, day of the, uh, hottest time of the day. See, when the Bible gives us that time and gives us this interesting fact, the, the author John, he's trying to help us to, to understand and create a, the image here for us that this woman is doing her best to try to avoid contact with other people. Something is going on in this woman's life where she didn't want to go and draw water when it was cool, when other people are doing that so that she would be safe while other people are there. But instead, she wanted to avoid contact with everybody around her in her life. Something was going on in this woman's life that, to cause her to be ashamed, to be guilty, and to feel like she couldn't or wouldn't be welcome into a community. I wonder if you know somebody like that in your life that is constantly trying to avoid contact. Or maybe it's you. Maybe, maybe you've created distance in your life from other people. You have separated yourself out from other people because you don't feel like you are welcome at Christ's legacy. You, you don't feel like you're welcome in your family. You don't feel like you've made all the best decisions. And so it's just better that you avoid that kind of contact, that kind of, that kind of connection. But I want you to know the devil is a liar. And that the Lord desires to have a relationship with you just like he desired to have this divine appointment with this young woman at the well. This woman showed up at the water just after Jesus came. 
That's where we pick up our text in John chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I want to pause right here and I want to show you something that our, our risen Savior, he didn't beat around the bush. This wasn't an accident, a coincidence. This wasn't happenstance. It was a divine appointment and he wasn't going to waste time with small talk. If you knew who I was and the gift that I had, then you'd ask me and I'd give it. I think sometimes that we, when it's time for us to witness, we are so scared that we try to ease ourselves into a conversations to try to make ourselves feel a little bit better. But when we're, when it's time for us to witness Christ's legacy, I want us not to be beating around the bush. Let's just ask the question. Do you know the Lord as your, as your savior? Do you know what he can offer you? Let me pray with you right now so you can receive it. My goodness. He gets right to the point. He tells the woman, if she knew two things in her life, her life would be changed in an instant. What are the two things that he wished that she knew? If you only knew these two things, everything would be different. And I want you to know this morning, if you're sitting out here, you have your heart open right now to the Lord. Those two things that the Lord wished that, that she knew are the two things that the Lord wishes that we knew this morning. Do you know the gift of God? And do you know who he is? Because if you did, you'd ask and he'd give it. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. The first thing, what's God's gift? What's God's gift? When we set out to find the answer to our problems, many of us have eventually come to ask God. Problems are one way that God uses us, one way that God uses to draw us into who he is, to look for the answer in him. But eventually, friends, if if our relationship with God is only as good as the problems he helps us out of, that's really no relationship at all, is it? If God is only as good as the miracle, if God is only as good as getting us out of hot water, then that's really not a relationship that he desires to have for his people. As a matter of fact, I feel like oftentimes we, we come to the Lord and we pray and we seek his face and we try to find God because we need God to do something for our lives when God is saying that, that I want a relationship. 
I want a conversation. I want a two-way street. I want a moment where you come to me and we just talk and we're friends. Where you can talk to me and I'll speak to you. Where you open your life and I'll pour myself into you. But oftentimes it's not for that reason. Life is filled with our needs. So if all we do is run trying to meet one of one after the next, then our life looks like it's thirsty. Going here and drinking here and drinking here and drinking here. Jesus addresses this later in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink from the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. See, there's water that the world gives, and it only quenches the thirst for just a short time. There's that answer that comes that helps you figure out this habit or a, uh, an answer that comes over here that helps you get little parts and pieces of your life together. And, and it's almost like spinning plates. Have you ever seen somebody spin plates? It's like you spin one and you spin the other and you got another one going on. And by the time you get finished with that one, you have to come over here. And life is constantly trying to keep things going. And Jesus says, that's not what I want. That's not the answer. That's not how you're supposed to live your life. I want you to drink from the living water. And the word drink here is actually a Greek word, panetu. Panetu. You see, it's, it's the present imperative tense. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with that, what that means, it doesn't mean that God is, sitting, is standing there before this woman saying, all you have to do is take a little sip and never again. Jesus is not speaking to her saying, all you have to do is take a real big guzzle and you're, you're all good. He's saying this, you will drink and then from within a bubbling spring will come and you will drink and drink and drink and you will never stop and you will drink and you'll want a relationship with me and you'll drink and you'll drink and you'll drink and you'll never be thirsty for all these other things ever again because you found your source. You found your source. The source of water, the source of your help, the source of your love, the source of your joy, the source is my presence. My presence. You don't get saved just in a moment by kneeling at an altar and then never having another experience with God. You don't stand in his presence for a couple of times a month and you feel like you're good, that you've had enough. No, it's a, it's a babbling spring inside of you that wells up. She would drink and drink and drink. Some of us want desperately to find God because we need him to do something in our lives. This morning, Jesus is saying, if you only knew what God's gift was, if you only knew what he had for you, then you wouldn't worry about all the other stuff that you're praying about. Because if you just asked for the one thing, then everything else would be fine. If you just sought after God for that relationship, then your finance would take care of themselves because God would pour them inside of you. 
Can I tell you something this morning? That God said that he would bless the 90% more than he blessed the 100%. As a matter of fact, if you keep that 10% for yourself, then the rest of it's curse. If you just follow me and you lean into who I am, then everything else is right in your life. That's true, it's true, it's true. If you only knew what his gift was. So we're called not just to love God for the gifts and the blessings, but to love God for the relationship, for who he is, not just what he can do for our lives. See, the problem is, is that there's a very real chance and a very real opportunity for us to get involved with God and drink from the well, but then one day stop. One day allow it to fizzle out. One day to walk away from that living well that sprung up inside of us. Peter tells us what that's like in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. He says, their people, these people are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are, what? Doomed to the blackest darkness. Is it possible to know God, to know his benefits, to know his blessing, to know the life, and then to turn away and walk away from it? You bet it is. Because it's not possible to continually be blessed by the Holy Spirit if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's the point. And so the second thing that Jesus asks us is, who is speaking to you? Who is speaking to you? If you know my gifts and who is speaking, then you would ask and I'd give. So who's speaking? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? I want you to think for a moment as you drove into Christ's legacy this morning, how many of you passed some advertisements, some signs? You passed quite a few. Every business on the side of the road wanted to speak into your life. They wanted to tell you who they are and what they could do for you. And some of you have subconsciously made a decision on where you're going to eat lunch in just a few moments because of those signs. Hey, let's go over there. Okay, we will. That sounds good. But then there's other people in your life, not just organizations, but friends and family members that you've allowed a place at the table of your life to, to influence you in such a powerful way of what they want and what they think and what they think is good for you. You see, our life is filled with voices and some of those voices genuinely love you and want your best. Some of them love you as long as it doesn't cost them anything. And some of them don't love you at all and they seek to try and get something out of you. But can I tell you this morning that there's only one voice in your life, a still small voice that whenever he speaks to you, he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He has a love that he wants to place in your life. He wants a relationship with you. He wants your best this morning. Praise the Lord that when Jesus was speaking to that Samaritan woman, that the good news of what he was speaking pierced through all the voices in her life and it spoke directly to her, if but for a moment. The good news. The good news. That if you knew the gift that God wants to give you, 
and you knew who God was, Jesus standing there, then you'd ask and he'd give. That's some good news. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come up here to drink, uh, to, to get water. Jesus, in this moment, gave this strange command. He said, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. See, many of us, we, we do our best to try to come to God, but, but we come to God still playing games. We try to put our best foot forward. We try to put the best mask on. We try, to, we try to show God what we want other people to see. Somebody that has it all together. But can I tell you something that if you're gonna to come to God this morning or any other time, you can't act like you got it all together because you don't. You can't act like everything's gonna be all right whether you walk out of here or not without him. You see, each one of us are required to face a truth. And the truth is not just who he is, but who you are, who I am. We face ourselves and we realize that there is nothing but a big old mess when we look in the mirror. This woman's mess happened to be the fact that she didn't live a perfect life. She had many husbands. I need you to know this morning that when, God, when we face God and His perfection, we face our own sin simultaneously. And there we have a decision that we must make. When we face our own sin, do we turn and walk away feeling ashamed and guilty and sinful, afraid to allow God to move in our life, or do we do something different? Do we admit it to ourselves and we admit it to, our, to Him and allow Him to come and clean us, make us righteous? Does she know who God is? I want to tell you this morning that Jesus revealed Himself to the Samaritan woman in a moment whenever He said, I am the Messiah. He revealed something to her that, that, that hadn't even been revealed to his disciples, his own disciples. Why? Because she was willing to encounter who he was. She was willing to open her mind and her life to realize what the free gift was. She was willing to ask and she was willing to receive. This morning, that's what God wants for each one of us. You might be still looking for that thing, that person, that relationship, that job, that, that next habit, that weird, strange trick to make everything in your life work. But I wanna tell you that it's a lie from the enemy because your life won't work unless you know Jesus 
and make him the Lord and master of your life. Don't you know that he is the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the Holy One. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Lion. He is the Lamb. And he is the soon coming King that one day will receive us back to him. Would you stand with me all over this place this morning? You see, there's two things. We have to know the gift of God, and we have to know who's speaking to us. But if we know those two things, then God, then Jesus said, two other things will happen. We will ask, and he will give. If you believe it this morning, would you lift your hands with me and just begin to ask him right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present here in this service. Lord, in this divine holy moment, this appointment, Lord, with each one of us, I pray, Lord, that we stand beholding you and your son. Lord, that you would reveal who you are to us. And Lord, that with our our hearts and our minds we would grasp Lord the free gift of who you are and what you choose to give and I pray God that we would make it a decision to ask and receive hallelujah hallelujah with your every head bowed and every eye still closed I simply want to ask you this this question are you here this morning and you have never asked the Lord for that drink of water. Your life is thirsty and you're searching and you feel empty and dry. Perhaps it was so long ago that you must make a recommitment now. If that's you, I simply want you to slip up your hand right now so I can recognize you and pray with you this moment. If that's you, yes, I see you. Looking all over, yes, I see you. Looking all over this place right now right now this morning two individuals raised their hands saying that they're going to be asking the Lord for that drink of water what you're asking is simply this you're acknowledging that Jesus is the son of God that he came into this world to take away your sins and that if you believe upon him if you confess him with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, that Christ raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you pray that prayer in your heart right now, you're saved, as saved, as saved, as saved as can be. This morning, I wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, you've seen these hands raised. Lord, I pray God that your Holy Spirit would solidify that in the in the Lamb's Book of Life, that their names would be recorded. Lord, that you would be the Lord, the Master, the Savior of their lives. And Lord, that you would walk out of this place with them. Lord, allowing a spring to bubble up from the inside, that is the Holy Spirit, giving them living water that they may never thirst again. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and tell the Lord thank you for these two hearts and lives. But something right now is that we need to address here today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've been asking the Lord to do various things in your life. You've been praying, you've been seeking his face, 
and you feel like you can't find the Lord. You feel like maybe the Lord is playing games with you. Maybe he's hiding so that you'll find him. You just look harder. Or maybe you've been treating the Lord like second tier customer service all day. And the Holy Spirit right now is convicting you of that moment. You need to be right with the Lord. You need to seek him instead of seeking an answer. It's time to pray. It's time to get right with the Lord. I want to invite you, this, these altars are open right now, if that's you, or if you ask the Lord to come into your heart, I want you to simply slip out of your seats and find a place to pray. We have enough time. Would you seek the Lord? Would you find him this morning? It's not up to him, it's up to you. Step out right now. Let's come and let's pray, let's worship, let's seek his face. Let's open ourselves up to what he has for us. Go ahead, come on out. Take that step. Let's come and find the Lord together. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Christ's legacy, what would happen if you and I and everybody around this place really knew what the free gift of God was and really knew who he was? Each one of us would be on so much fire for him. Each one of us would have that babbling spring inside of our hearts and our lives coming forth that we couldn't help. But when we walked into our workplace and when we went home and when we got gas and when we went to the restaurant, it would just kind of slosh off on us. It hit somebody that everywhere that we went, somebody would come to know a little bit what it was like to be in God's presence. If that's the case, if that's really what would happen, I wonder if you would invite somebody to come to the place where they, their hearts and their lives could change. I wonder if, if you would be willing to invite friends and family members, those that you know need a, a touch from a, a mighty God, those that need a heart and a life change need to be in this place. And you are the bubbling spring that knows the answer and where to find it. Would you be challenged this morning? Invite your friends. Invite your family members. Invite your enemies that you know that if God got a hold of them, they would be your friends. God's got a plan for this church, and we're just about to tap into it. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would reign over us, Lord. That, Lord, your babbling spring would come forth, Lord, in our hearts and our lives. And, Lord, that your, your spirit would be contagious inside of us. Lord, that when we speak to people, Lord, that people would hear you. Lord, when we, when we interact with people, Lord, that they would be interacting with you and your spirit. Lord, I pray, God, that you would make our church an oasis in the desert. We give you all the praise and the glory because here at Christ's Legacy, Lord, we want to find you. We want to give others hope. And Lord, we want to do life together. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Be blessed this morning. God bless you.